This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the old city of Jerusalem, overlooking the Temple Mount. And uh, please click all those buttons you're supposed to click, share, subscribe, you know, all those things. Click those things. Um, Shalom, everyone. Today we're going to continue our uh, Living in the Miraculous. Um, I don't believe it's really okay not to live in the miraculous because I have a proof from, uh, from our prayers, actually. Every day we say, we give thanks to God. And, and then it says, uh, uh, we're, we're giving thanks to you. And we'd like to tell stories. We will tell stories of your praise. And then there's a colon. Well, what kind of stories of your praise? Well, and here's, there's a great lesson here in teaching you the trick. On our lives that, we're, that are given over to you. Like, my life is not my life. This, is, this, this body of mine, it's really a dead body. Another prayer we say every morning. Uh, that God returns our, our souls to dead bodies. Which means your body's dead already. I mean, you're you're walking around in this dead body, and what is alive about your body? I mean, what's what's really alive about it? That the blood's going through it, or okay, so it's alive, but it's only kind of alive because this it's alive because the soul's in it. That's why it's alive. I just put my phone on Do Not Disturb. You should do the same. Whoever's phone rang, and uh, anyway, we're, our body's like it is alive, but it's. Meaning it, meaning when the soul goes out, how's the body doing? Could have a perfect heart, perfect lungs, perfect everything. You know, but if the soul came out of your body, what would happen to your body? You'd just be dead. Which means it's already dead. The only thing alive in your body is your soul. That's what's causing its life. And uh, that's why God's called the Cheho Elamim. He's the life force of the worlds. Cheho both Cheho He's the life force of the world. Anyway, so we say to God that we want to sing your praise. We want to tell stories. Lis, lisaper. What does lisaper mean? To tell stories. Well, what kind of stories? Stories of God's praise. Well, how do you get to tell stories of God's praise? Because you had a regular day? No. Because you had a wildly crazy, miraculous day. Because you had this amazing day. Well, how do you have an amazing day? So there's many steps to it. And I've been, I speak a lot about living in the miraculous and Today we're going to talk about uh, a couple different steps. Uh, one of those steps is that your life is is. Okay, your life is is. Everyone say life is is. Louder, life is is. Okay, so your life is his. Yeah, this isn't your life. This is his life, and that's also important when you make decisions with where you're going to put your body, or what you're going to put in your body, or what you're going to do with your body. Is you want to first check with him. And make sure that that's okay. And I know a lot of people who like to make their own choices on what they do with their body. And sometimes they even come up to me, for example. Uh, a couple recently came up to me, all lovey-dovey and so excited that this guy wanted to introduce me to this girl and everything. And I, you know, I was happy to meet them. But I saw with my Judar, my Jewish radar, that they were not, um, they just weren't exactly figuring their life was his, everything in their life was theirs. And I said hi, I was happy to say hi to her, 
But I also knew that the statistical chance that he would be with her, let's say, five years from now, if I ran into them again, um, I'd, I'd more likely run into them separately than together because they're not following the rules. And all of this happened on the same day of the... We're in the, a week-long celebration of my daughter and her husband, who, please God, you'll see together five years from now and 10 years and 20 years and 30 years and 40 years because their life is his. You understand? Their life is his and, and he's number one. And it's always fine to share number two. You can always share number two. When the race is for number one, that gets more competitive. When the race is just number two, you know, who's finishing in second place? Well, that maybe is easier to deal with. But when your life is God's, so, and God's the one who created us to be married. I mean, we're born puzzle pieces. We're, we're meant to fit together. And, and, uh, but fitting together tends to create children. And creating children tends to work a lot better when there's a husband and a wife that are married to one another with love. And creating a, a home that's got stability. That creates good kids. And so, so God knows what he's doing. He's the one who created us. He's the one who created these puzzle pieces. And, and therefore, we want to refer to God when we, when in our relationships, make a bracha boch. Did I make a bracha? Boch ata So that's what we said. Our lives that are given over to. We want to tell stories, but how do you get to tell these stories? The first is to make sure your life is as. Then you can tell the stories. I'll explain why in a minute. But your life is his. And the next one, the next is that your soul, your soul is, is <laughs> your soul is his. So your life is his, your soul is his. What's the difference? Uh, there's going to be more of the physical. Yeah, but the fact that you're moving around. This is more like, is one, this is like life force, your your physical life force and the soul is this eternal part of you that's that's um, let's put it like this um, can I get um, can I get can I get you just to turn the fan down on low the fan yeah it's the upper console on your left there. bottom right little tiny button bottom right no no upper console bottom right yeah so the that's low Oh yeah, that's not okay. Thank you. It's just so terrible. You know what? Let's just heat up the room for a second. I can't take it. It's making me crazy. If you can just turn it off. Yeah. Let's just bake for a little while. This is the difference. Everyone, listen. go through my head one is ineptitude and the subject of ineptitude and why we have to have the AC system not not serviced after being in this building for six years it was silent before and that's the one and two is two is and I'm not going to go into this deeply but I am ready to kill waitresses and waiters. More waitresses and waiters, but I'm ready to kill you. 
I'm almost at the point where I don't think I'm going to eat out of my house anymore. Food needs to get served with love. You can't serve food without love. And you can't get a people together in a room because the energy of the service staff is going to take over and ruin the environment. And you go to a lot of restaurants out there and the environment stinks. Like they've done so much work. They spent millions on the, on the uh, interior design and they're spending all of it on the rent and they're putting so much into that. And they hire staff, except the staff is not, this is not the job they want. And I tell people over and over again, only work the job you want. Only work the job you love. Only dr- work the job your dreams. You can't, you can't find a job your dreams? Well, then just dream your dreams. Live your dreams and learn how to monetize those dreams. Anyone want to tell me their dreams? I will tell you how to make a fortune off your dreams. It could be the most crazy thing in the world. Your, your dream is to... I don't know what your dream is. Your dream is to, like, you know, uh, uh, to scuba dive and find starfish. Yeah, I will teach you how to monetize that without even removing the poor starfish. <laughs> You're thinking, oh, great, I'm going to sell starfish. No, keep the starfish in the sea and we'll figure out how to monetize it. I mean, you could literally, like, you could create pet starfish in the Dead Sea and just literally name the starfish that you found with, you know, very exacting digital photos of it that, that is unique to that starfish and then have people around the world have a starfish in the Dead Sea. That's their starfish. And, the, and, the, and you use the funds to protect the, the, the sea. And you have plastic removal going on from the sea that's being paid for by them. And you, you make like 10% of that. And you sell about, I don't know, every starfish is, is let's say, uh, 50 shekels. It's about, let's say it's 15 bucks. And you sell, let's say you sell about a million of them. Million starfish, fifteen bucks a starfish, and you get to spend your whole day with starfish. How is that starfish? Fifteen bucks times get a million people. What's a million times fifteen dollars? What? Fifteen million dollars. There you're rich. So, anyway. I just can't take the energy of these people. They they ruin the energy of the, of the rooms, and it's, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Okay, I'm done with it. Now, the life is his, the soul is his. Now, for those of you who know Jewish prayer, we say, Nodelcha, we are giving thanks to you, and disappear to the secha, and we like to tell stories about your praise. And then we say, our life, which is his, our soul, which is his. And listen to this. And on your miracles that are with us every day. Do you guys notice your miracles happening every day? You having miracles every day? I mean, do you notice miracles every day? If you're not noticing miracles every day, then... You need to be more involved with your life being his and your soul being his. If your life is his and your soul is his, you'll see miracles every day. On the you know what Pele is? What's Pele? This world natural or wonderful? It's above nature. Anything that's called Pele means it's beyond the natural laws of creation. Before you leave, just hear this part, okay? This is the main part because you say this every day. 
that your, your miracles that are with us every day. Well, is like, in case you were wondering whether miracles was enough, it has to use the word Pela. Pela means not nature. Things that are happening beyond nature. Nothing to do with buses. I mean, it has a lot to do with buses, perhaps. But it's above nature. You're having above nature. How often are you having this above nature experience? Every day. Every well, day let's see. I'll say Pela every time you use. Well, let's see what it says there. Well, in your goodness. It's at all times. Every night, every day, and every afternoon. Meaning it's like not leaving a lot of room for time that you're not having miracles. They're happening all the time. Now, you guys are probably wondering like, how are miracles happening to me all the time? And the answer is, they're not. And you need to, you need to work on yourself. You have to really put your life in his hands. You see, let's, let's just say, let's just say a person wanted to create peace between Hindus and Muslims. Yeah? How would that go? Mm, not too good. That would it would be impossible, right? I mean, he would need a giant staff of people, and he would need, like, who knows what he would need. I mean, maybe he'd need forests, maybe he'd need tanks, maybe he'd need... A lot of people think more armament brings peace. <laughs> I'm not sure what it would take. But there was a man by the name of Gandhi who did it by himself, just through fasting. He almost died. <laughs> and they all decided, both sides decided to stop fighting. So he would just drink some orange juice. <laughs> he was, like, dying, and he was like... Orange juice, please. Because <laughs> they told him the fighting stopped. He would not drink until the fighting stopped. Yeah, an entire continent, close to a billion people, and there's two, two major teams in the fight, and they stopped. Now, if you take on something that big, so you'll get the miracles. I had a funny one yesterday. I had, um, I, and oh, and here's another principle that's really important is that you, if you need to go, you can go. Yeah. I told you, you go whenever you want. I, I sense people deeply. Maybe watch one more part, and then you'll go after this. I'm going to send you out, though, next time. Okay? And next is, what? <laughs> i got to keep it the way it was. How is what? How is his? I wouldn't say, how is his? How is his? What a nice sentence. How is his? We learn from the, the spies that Yoshua and uh, Caleb came in to the land of Israel. And they were just checking out what's going on over there. Like, what's going on? It was reconnaissance only, just what's going on. Just to see the lay of the land and see what they were going to be up against, and etc. Um, what, what were the other guys looking at? What were they looking at? The ten spies that we just had Tishabab over them? How to conquer. Yeah, how are we going to do that? And the answer is we can't. The answer is we can't. We, we can't do this. What is ours? What is, I'll call it mine, how is his? Okay, everyone say that. What is mine, how is his? What is mine, how is his? 
your job is only what? Like Gandhi's what was peace. And the starfish collector, the starfish um, uh, entrepreneur, the what was starfish. So yesterday I got in one of those what and how things because it was the day after the wedding of my daughter and I really needed a massage. Mazel tov. So I really needed a massage. And uh, the problem was there was no more money. Like, it was the day after the wedding. So like everything was gone. There was not a shekel to be had, but I needed a massage. So what, what's the what? Massage. The massage. The how was going to be some money to pay for now, should I book the massage or not? Was it irresponsible to book a massage I didn't have money to pay for? No. Well, it all depends. depends. If life is his, and the soul is his, and how is his, and you really live that, so then my job is only the what, and I don't have to pay attention to the how. And so I had this really funny thing happen. Is I totally forgot I didn't have any money. I just continued my day with no money. And... And then uh, what happened was I, I was in the bathroom. I don't want to get graphic, but I was in the bathroom. And, and I'm going to the bathroom, and I realize, oh, my gosh, my massage in five minutes, which is fine. The, it was on King George, and I live in Nachlaud, so I could do that in five minutes. When my nine-year-old comes to the door, and my nine-year-old says, he says, ah! sorry, that wasn't a very good nine-year-old, but it's so funny. My falsetto is like, I'm not warmed up enough here. Anyway, I'm just saying a man's voice, but... Maybe I can do it. Bobby, Bobby, I'll do it like that. Bobby gave each of us a hundred dollars. Yeah, gra- <laughs> which means grandma gave each of the kids a hundred dollars. Yeah, all the kids, you know, the you know, Bubbies, you know, they're like handing my nine year old a hundred dollars. Like, imagine walking down the street, <laughs> going up to each store. You know, Bobby gave each of us a hundred dollars. And he says, Want to see? <laughs> he slides it under the door it's like an ATM machine <laughs> a little low and usually they're not in your bathroom so I just snatched up the hundred dollars <laughs> so I'm like thank you very much he's like no <laughs> and, and I said to him like I said to him listen I got a I got a massage <laughs> meaning I'll give you your hundred bucks later because you probably got one for me too and in fact, you can just tell Bubby, because she, she was coming over in a few minutes, I said, just tell her to give you mine. He says, fine. And so, and, and then I, you know, I got out of the bathroom and I went straight to my massage with $100. I would have gone to the massage without the $100, obviously, but God wanted my son, like, as if I needed to see it. Want to see? Yeah. Right in the door. And I was thinking, hey, there it is. There's my 100 bucks. Yeah, right there from the kid. So, anyway, so the what is, we have to decide what it is we want. God's job is how we get it. Now, if you're not noticing it, now let's put it all together. If you're not noticing this going on all day, it's because you're not taking enough challenges. You understand? See, if you're taking a lot of challenges, you get, you're going to be seeing that all day. You're just going to be seeing it all the time. And I, I take an example of, uh, I mean, you can just take any example, but uh, who are, meaning any example of someone who lives it all day. But I imagine, uh, who has a big cause? Who do we know with a big cause? We mentioned Gandhi, but in the Jewish world, who, who has a big cause? Ish. Who? Ish. Ish is a big cause, yeah. That, that's too big, though. That's like, we've, <coughs> the, the miracles are happening everywhere, Mashi- but Mashi- it's hard Mashi- to know where they are. Um, <laughs> Chabad, I see it. 
I'm not asking for I was asking for an individual human being. Martin Luther King? Martin Luther King? He's not Jewish. You know I'm named after Martin Luther King? Yeah. Yeah, I think my I don't even know if I have my American driver's license. My English name is uh, my English middle name is Martin. I uh, put it away. Virginia. Yeah, he was. He died three days before I was born. And my parents, being nice liberal Jews, named me after him. So, like, you ever thought you'd come to a class of a Hasidic Rebbe named after a a black minister, Baptist minister? Yeah. This is why I love all people. Probably. I mean, I really love all people. I used to think I loved Jews until I rode a subway in New York City. <laughs> and I was beaming at all the people. And I was, like, so excited to be in the subway with all these people. And I, all of a sudden, dawned to me. I thought I loved, like, because you have a mitzvah to love Jews. You can love the whole world, but you have a mitzvah to love Jews. So I thought I was, like, Mr. Fulfillment of that. Until I realized I love going also. I just love everybody. And also, I forgive very quickly. Not just for selfish reasons. Meaning selfish reasons because I don't want the poison of resentment. Resentment's poison. You know what poisons your body? Resentment. It, it actually, they know this as a fact that when you resent somebody, it creates poisons in the body, and, uh, and it can kill people. So, so it's also this one of the big sources of heartburn, also acid acid reflux. So, I mean that, but not even for selfish reasons. I forgive people quickly. I forgive people quickly is because. It's because I've done stupid things, and I hope they can forgive me quickly. You know, stupid things. I've rammed my bike into people's people and their stuff. Um, I've sh- just shot people's cell phones twenty feet away. You know, with my handlebar, and you know, and I could have avoided that, I'm sure. And I've done all kinds of stupid things. I'm certainly hoping they're going to forgive me for that. And you know, I don't do anything really stupid, but but. Uh, but I do stupid stuff sometimes. And I, I know I want to be forgiven. And, uh, and then you might say, well, what about, what about when the, it's their character trait? Like, it's not that they did something stupid, it's just the person's character. This person's of bad character. For example, abusive people. Abusive people are of bad character. So, what about them? Like, you forgive them too? And the answer is, well, where do you think they got their bad character? The answer is, they had their own little micro-holocaust in the home they grew up in. And so, wounded people generally wound people. Hurt people hurt people. People are wounded generally will wound other people. And so, that person's bad character is the subject of, he's a subject of where he grew up. And who am I so high and mighty think that if I grew up there, I'd be out of it. It's easy for me to be where I'm at today. I grew up in a, you know, like, a, I grew up in a, in a bubble wrap. I was like a UPS package in, in bubble wrap. You know, the closest pedophile to my neighborhood was like nine zip codes away. You know, we didn't, we didn't have crime. There was a zero crime rate. And, uh, you know, it was like everything was like so normal and, and safe. I don't think we even had a key to our front door. If we wanted to lock it, we'd be, we'd be locked out. None of us had a key to our front door. And uh, it just stayed open. And um, so, but and and now I need someone of bad character, which isn't hard to do. That's easy, you know. Just go to a wet restaurant and get waited on. Yeah. And uh, just kidding. And um, I mean, 
Just kidding. That wasn't a bad character thing. I was doing something you don't love. That's the problem. So, if you meet someone with a bad character, who says you would have pulled yourself up and out of that? You know, it's not so sure. It's not so sure. A lot of us love love the victim card. You know, a lot of us play that victim card over and over again, and, and we just live in that in that zone. That's our many people's misery comfort zone is the vic, is the victim. So, who says you wouldn't play that card? You'll notice you will play it sometimes when things get dramatic, when your relationships get dramatic. You'll notice guys and gals who are single. You'll notice when you're married, you'll play victim sometimes. Guys playing victim to their wives is always a disaster, by the way. <laughs> so for the single guys listening to this, well, you know, for the married guys, <laughs> for all men, never play the victim in your marriage. I mean, that's just total disaster. You know, what, what happens, eventually you're in a marriage, you're at marriage therapist, marriage counselor. And, and then he starts playing victim and he starts like kind of weeping and whimpering. You know what she says? She goes like this. When he's not looking, they're both facing the therapist. She's like, see? See? And he didn't even know what's going on. And the therapist's like, yeah, you're married to a little girl. Never want to play. If you're feeling victimized in your marriage, you go, that's what best friends are for. That's what sports bars are all about. You, know, you go, you go, talk it out with a friend, but spare your wife the victim card. It, it takes the respect level and just dumps it, dumps it down. Okay. So anyway, the, the job of what is ours. Um, well, I'm trying to think who the people who live in the miracles. I know many of them. I know someone who lives in it full time. His name Mordechai is Machlis. Yeah, Mordechai Machlis. He lives in miracles full time. And uh, a guy named Yaakov Grossman. He lives in miracles full time. And then there's his brother Yitzhak David Grossman. He's the he's the one. With, he's the person. He, when he got married, he was 18 years old. His wife was 18 years old. And um, the little of a Rebbe. Oh, you know, I brought incense to um, Did I bring incense the other day, too? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, this one's really fucking... I got a new incense burner, by the way. This is the greatest thing ever for spiritual people. Is, uh, they make these little... My other ones are spinners. This one doesn't spin. This is a little fancier. Two bucks on AliExpress. Or and uh, it, it's a little cigarette lighter. But you just cake it with you know, whatever incense you want. Press the little button. And... <laughs> you put a stick of incense in there? No, no. Liquid. This is, this is, a, this is a, a mix of copal, and, uh, which is Native American. And then uh, and the other one... No, it's a uh, resin. How do you refill? Sap. Oh, you have to like, smear it in? It's hard. And it's uh, and the other is Lavona, which is the main ingredient. It's a mix yeah. of Lavona and. Uh, you guys smell it yet? It'll come. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Eventually I'll smell it. Anyway, these are like the best thing I ever found. 
Because it used to be I had to, like, burn coals and stuff, you know, and that's like, you know, like the Nargila coals? Mm -hmm. So I think we use those coals for meditation, for burning incense. Mm -hmm. And uh, this little high-tech device, it's a, it's a lot cleaner. A lot cleaner. So, you smell it now? Can you get back there? Oh, because the fan, oh yeah, I really moved quick last night because of the fan. Okay, whatever, let's keep the fan off. Um, anyway, Rav Yitzhak David Grossman, you can Google him. It's really something. Go on YouTube and look at it, watch his videos. But he was 18 years old, and he, and he decided, he and his wife decided that they were going to move to a city where they could do outreach, reach out to Jews. And so, you know what they used for criteria to figure out what city? They tried to figure out a city, a couple criteria. One is no synagogue in the city and the highest crime rate. <laughs> they figured no synagogue means that it's like, you know, they got the, the market and because um, there's no rabbi. No synagogue, no rabbi. And, uh, and the other is the highest crime rate means that it's probably, you know, the, they need some old-time religion over there. So, so they found a place. Not only was it uh, the highest crime rate, but they also had um, the mafia in the city had recently blown up the municipality. Mm -hmm. So this was like a match made in heaven. And here they just got married. They were young, younger than my, my daughter and, and uh, son-in-law, who are young. You see how young those two are? It's like two little kids getting married. But they're both over 18. Anyway, they... Um, You got the smell? Yeah, it smells mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Now it came to you? Did you get it? I can smell it. You smell it? You can smell it. No. Yitzhak David Grossman? Yeah, right. Yitzhak David Grossman. Anyway, yeah. they, so what did he do? He spent his nights in the discotheques. Yeah, the disco rabbi. And he spent, yeah, he's famous for, I'm sure if you looked it up, it said the disco rabbi. Yeah, yeah. And in daytimes, he was in the jails. And he developed a whole community out of people who were great dancers and people who were great thieves. And the, uh, eventually made a community out of them. And then, and then once that community started growing, he decided to set his eyes on orphans. And uh, to be an orphan to him didn't just mean dead parents. It meant um, kids whose parents were maybe uh, uh, drug addicts or, or um, you know, they'd given up their kids. Mm -hmm. Abandoned. Anyway, so he now has a city, an entire city. It's in, the city's called Migdal Emek, but half the city is a place called Migdal Or. And he built, he's the rabbi, the chief rabbi of Migdal Emek ever since then, because he has a monopoly. You know, he was this amazingly loving man who came and brought Judaism to the place. It is a thriving Torah community today. It's a big city, you gotta go see it. With probably a no crime rate, crime rate. In the north, with next to a no crime rate, crime rate, if they have any crime rate. And they have, um, half the city is his. It's called Migdal Or. Meaning building after building and building. It looks like you're just in a city, but it's actually his city. Why? Why is it his city? Because now he has 7,500 kids there. Mm -hmm. 7,500. They're probably more now. Ten years ago it was 7,500. Right. More than that. I don't know what it was there. And... He, um, and he 
takes care of them, but really takes care of them. And he teaches them trades, and he teaches them Judaism and Torah, and he teaches them. He, he, they follow them all the way through the army, their whole army service. They, there's someone in, ch- in touch with them the whole time, like always there like a parent to them. Not only that, but then they make their matches after the army. Those who go to the army, some stay and study, some go to the army. They make their matches, meaning they, they uh, how do you say that, they take care of them. They take care of them until they're married, and then they follow them throughout their married life. They're whole married. Like they, there's no point where you're dropped. And they have built so many incredible homes. If, you know, once a kid's there, it's not easy to, to be there because they, you know, they, he, to get in, he pushes you very hard to get committed. Yet if you come in, you're coming in committed. And so they, once they see someone's committed, they'll accept them in. But he, if we called him right now, we wouldn't get him. I mean, you can't just call him because uh, it's hard to reach him. But if we could call him right now, he'd be in the middle of a miracle. There would be some kind of miracle going on. And but the funny thing is about him is you're probably picturing like you probably don't even know what to picture, and this is why it's really important you Google him. Um, can you get us a portrait of him? Yeah, yeah. This is a man who is probably one of the most beautiful holy Jews that you've ever seen. Meaning, meaning when you're with him, you're you're when you're with him, you're like you're almost like afraid that you're not holy enough to be in his presence because of the incredible sanctity of this guy. And he's larger than life. I mean, he's just larger than life. I'll show you a picture of him just to see. Is it focused on the camera? Yeah. And this isn't like... It's not just like some like clean-shaven, hotshot rabbi, you know, building his abilities. You know. understand? You're a little nervous, maybe someone like that. You know, it kind of like when you meet someone like this, you get reminded of everything you just you're, you're you yourself remind yourself of everything you've done wrong, everything you've done wrong for like the last month. His his face is like. It's like going to the mikvah. <laughs> Just being with him is like going to the mikvah. Yeah. This isn't the guy you usually see at a discotheque. <laughs> no. Also, you shouldn't. Normally, guys like that aren't spending that much time in jail. Yeah. But I'm sure if we called him right now. He'd be telling us some crazy story. As I'm close, we're close with the whole family. He actually, my first daughter's wedding, he did the, what that Rebbe did, he was the Rebbe. What you saw two days ago is what he did with my first son-in-law. And he's, uh, not only that, he came with us for Shabbos, Shabbos, to, to a kibbutz, and spent the whole Shabbos with us. Huge schools, because we're, we're now family, because of my son-in-law. My older son. So, yeah, he's playing big, and I promise you, he's in the middle of a miracle. So when he says "No delchan nisipet to the secha," al chayinu musun, al chayinu musun b'tavon yishmas seinu abdosla, on the secha shemchayinu, the secha, the secha shemchayinu, that God's 
sending him miracles at all times is only because he bites off so much. He bites off a lot. And every time someone, once in a while, some very wealthy guy gets an animal with him and just gives like $10 million. And the whole staff says, put it in an endowment, please, so we can make payrolls. You know, think about it, like, yeah, close to 8,000 kids. Mm-hmm. Who think what that costs in staff? Rent, water, electricity, food. Mm-hmm. Like the, the executive staffs that please create an endowment like let's just get an endowment so we can pay salaries every month nope he'll build another building he'll just build another building and fill it with orphans no endowments our, our, the salaries will come from this pure dedication of all of ours the salaries will get paid mm-hmm. and they will because our job is only the what and the, his staff was trying to get the hows going. They were trying to like, why don't we deal with some of these hows and work this place a little more responsibly? And one of the times they pushed him the most was after a major gift, and the endowment that they had tried to arrange for him was with, uh, what was that guy's name who was in jail forever? Bernie Madoff. 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 It was with Bernie Madoff. That's where the announcement was going. Madoff, the staff lined it up with Bernie Madoff. And then, you know, but they can't do anything without a signature. And he says, there's no endowments. Rav Noach Weinberg's, similar, Rav Noach Weinberg's at of Asia Tyra, who built this place. Mm-hmm. He was also like, they would always ask him, like, whenever we got a big gift, put an endowment. No. It's for programming. We need more programming. Enough with salaries. Like let's, we're saving the Jewish people. We can't take gifts and put it away and make interest for salaries. They gave the gift. We use the gift for saving the Jewish people. Like salaries are also saving the Jewish people. No. Anyway, so so when uh, when Madoff made off with everyone's money and went to jail. The uh, many Jewish organizations were hit really badly, and some of them are understandable why they had endowments because it's not it's not Rav Noach Weinberg it's like agreement. Like for example, Yeshiva University was just hit horribly by that. It was, took a major hit, but it's Yeshiva University. It's a university. Like you can understand why a university has endowments. It's not it's not Rav Grossman. It's not Rav, you know, Rav Weinberg. Which brings us all to a question. That if you're already living with your life is his, your soul is his, the how is his, and the what is yours, are you allowed to save money? Are you allowed to save money? You hear the question? Does that question make sense now? Are you allowed to save money? Like, money came your way. Can you save it? You have to be smart. You have to, have a, you have to do your effort. You, have, you should have loot. You can't just like. You should have loot. You have to make an effort. You can't. You have to do your part. You can't just sit around and like. You have to have a moon, but you also have to do your part. I just have to feel that to save money. What is that? Depends. Halachically, are you allowed to save money? Not halachically. Hashkafically. Maybe it depends on the person. 
maybe maybe a person who's not living this way, they're not living this way. Maybe for them they have to save money until they can live this way. I mean, they need some buffer. Mm-hmm. Until they can live this way, it would be totally irresponsible. But if they didn't live that way, then there wouldn't be billionaires giving the endowments to the gentleman who got these gifts. No, people get people get inheritances, gigantic inheritances. People people are workaholics with a great. Um, People are workaholics with a great mazel for money. Some people just have money mazel. You know, just money just chases them. And, you know, there's people with great mazel for money. You, we meet them, you know, and you see there's people, you'll notice a lot of the millionaires you get to watch on YouTube, you know, they, they say that they, went, they lost everything 10 times and each time became millionaires again. And then lost everything. Like, they say that, they, I heard one say that that becoming a millionaire can be luck, but it'd be hard to explain in my situation because I've had it happen ten times already, from zero. So you understand, like there, there's certain people that just they got what it takes to do that. And they, they, meaning it's probably and to lose it. Yeah, they lose it. They, it comes and goes. Yeah. The word of the the Aramaic word for uh, for money is also a Hebrew word. The Aramaic word for money is zuz. And um, which we sing in Had Gadya, right? It's the tre zuzing, the the goat that was bought for two zuzing. But the word zuz, what's the word zuz mean in Hebrew? To move, because it, it just moves. And some say it's like a wheel. It's you know sometimes it's at the top and sometimes it's at the, sometimes it's on the ground and sometimes it's up high. You know it's always moving. Our job is to continue breathing when it's when it's not around. Here's another question: Can you live a lifestyle of someone that it is around? Because sometimes it is. You can just make deals with everybody. Make deals at the produce store. Just say to the guy, "Listen, sometimes I'm like fifty thousand in the minus, but sometimes I'm fifty thousand in the plus." So. You just your job's to give me produce every Friday so we can make shabbos. And they, the, the times I'm out, it accrues. The times I'm in the chips, it gets paid off. Can you live like that? Sounds irresponsible. Right, sounds irresponsible. But in at the end of the year, everyone's paid. So can you live a lifestyle as long as it as long as everything's zero at the end? Can you live like that? You don't know if it will go up. Maybe after enough years, you start to get to know your muzzle with money. You get to know it. It could change. Well, if it changes, then you obviously have to fix it. But as long as it didn't, these are interesting questions. I I went to a rabbi to ask him if you could live without saving any money. Meaning, can you really live where you just like you just whatever comes in was meant to be used, and then you use it. For whatever needs are there, and you just keep it, just keep it going, just keep it coming out. You know what his answer was? You can. <laughs> I think he even put my name in there. It's like Yomtov, you can. That was Rob Berkowitz. Russian. And your, has your Russian. wife been on this uh, as well? <laughs> oh yeah, she's been for twenty-five years. 
She's been watching this happen. So I think it really depends where we're at, but the more you're there, the more you get to be only focused on what? As a principle. I mean, it's on a scale. This is on a spectrum. You, you, the more you are living life as his soul is his, how is his, then you can just take care of what? I'm hoping, I'm trying to incentivize some of you here. Trying to incentivize you. But you could really prove from, at least from our, what we said in the prayers is that we're, we're thanking God for this. Like, what exactly are you thanking God for there? I mean, should we skip those words? Every single day, three times a day, we're telling God that we're thanking him for this miraculous thing that's going on for us at all times. And especially the word Pella really makes it that you can't, can't really get out of that one. Pella always means beyond nature. There's Teva and there's Pella. Teva's nature, Pella's above nature, meaning you're having supernatural uh, or divine orchestrations taking place. And then the, obviously the Musa, the scary part is is that if that's not happening to you, so then maybe these are missing. But the other scary part that I mentioned was maybe you're not biting, up, biting off enough. Right? Maybe you're not biting off enough. Because if you really bit off a lot and you just went for it, you would be... You, you force God's hand. Now, what's that bring up? If you force God, if you bite off a lot, you force God's hand. What are you also not allowed to do? Test him. Test him. No, you're allowed to test God with money. Actually, with tzedakah. Sorry, twenty percent tzedakah. You're allowed to test God. Yeah. Not allowed to rely on a miracle. So here we are saying, yeah, I understand. I got that, but, they, but you're not allowed to rely on a miracle is we have a principle in Judaism, you're not allowed to rely on a miracle, so now we're going to make a further distinction. And that is that relying on a miracle would be, relying on a miracle, when you're not allowed to rely on a miracle, that's talking about, um, it's like riding a motorcycle without a helmet, is relying on a miracle. Meaning, mm-hmm. it, it would be irresponsible, and you're saying, God, take care of me. In this week's portion, don't put God to the test. Yeah, what's this week? Veschanan. It's not wearing seatbelts in cars. It's yeah. it's you know that that's that's you're not allowed to do that. It would be like going hiking without water. Well, God's going to provide water. How do you know? You know and, and so the answer is, he'll give me a miracle. But that's what the rabbis are saying, is you're not allowed to do that. So wouldn't that be similar if someone gives a $10 million grant? This is the endowment that God just gave it to us. Why, you know, right. how, so, how does one so know? The distinction we're making is that, is that it, when it comes to miracles, there's two types. Which the next letter? A. Which is the next letter? L. Yeah. Yes. 
When it comes to miracles, there's two important types to know about. Open. One is um, one is the uh, hidden in the open yeah, open miracles and it's like yesh me yesh and yesh me we could do it like this we could write open and hidden but the hidden one is not always so hidden what it, what I really wanted to say it was it was siata de shmaya siata de shmaya which means that that God's going to make it happen God will make it happen through the world. Like he's gonna, he's gonna make it happen. The open miracle is that is that the guy's gonna crash his motorcycle at ninety miles per hour, and you know he's just gonna fly off a cliff and he's gonna land perfectly in someone's swimming pool. You know that would be the open miracle that you're not allowed to rely on. You have to wear a helmet. You have to wear body armor to ride motorcycles that fast. Um, so, says you shouldn't be riding motorcycle 90 miles per hour. Also, but if that's your sport, as long as you're properly protected, you'll probably be fine. I mean, how many motorcycle racers die every year? Probably less than one dies every year because it's just more people probably dying walking down flights of stairs. So, the um, but they're properly protected. They're not relying on open miracles. Okay, um, so, so what we're ultimately discussing here is that, is that you, you've got to bite off enough that you're forcing God's hand in the, uh, that you'll be living in the thing that's, when you pray that evening, you'll be able to show for those miracles. Now, is anyone in this room interested in living their life like that? <laughs> we'll, we don't mind living our lives in the way that we'll pray and give thanks to something that we didn't even get. There's a little bit of a thanks in vain to thank God for this because the only people getting this, you know, we're, we're lucky if we get this once a week or once a month where we get this crazy, miraculous thing happen. But one thing's for sure, we should definitely log them we should be logging them. I realize I feel bad that I don't log them. Because I've gotten used to life like this, so I just don't log it. i got to start logging it. And uh, also I realized that, that I need a hall in London for my center. We've been so busy marrying off my daughter, we haven't really worked on a hall. I'm running a seminar in, is it today, 14th? So the 15th of September, I'm running a seminar in London, in Stamford Hill, in the Hasidic community. I know, like, South Hempstead children. We need a, we need a hall. Anyway. Ask Jackie Levinson. Jackie Levinson. There you go. Get him as your sponsor. Great. Kolsarotskin, uh, <laughs> he lives now. He's not going to say anything. Oh, last, last time I flew to London, I had no plans. All I was doing was seeding the city, seeding London, <coughs> to plant the seeds of a potential running a seminar. And the only thing I did was, was, the only thing I did was arranged a hall 
and a talk on a Thursday night. But I booked my flight not to leave till Sunday. And that means all that time I have no plans. I didn't know where I was staying till I, till I was driving to the airport. I, I knew nothing. I left it all open. And I told everyone in this classroom right before I flew on Thursday. I actually had to leave Thursday morning. So I told everyone on Wednesday, ask me Sunday evening what happened. Meaning of all the amazing stories. And all the amazing stories happened. There was even, at one point, I taught a women's class on Shabbos um, that was, was extremely packed. That was really impromptu, but, but uh, one of the women was a writer for a magazine and wrote an article on my stay. And, I mean, so like, you know, how, do you, how do you get that? You know, I get an article on your, like a full article came out on my stay there. They, but that's the way it goes, is just do the what's. Just get the what's down. Do your what's, create good plans and stuff. Like, do a good job with the what. But you just go for the what. And throw it, to, throw it up to God. And let him handle, handle the house. And I, I know I beat this dead horse a lot, so I'll just beat it a little more as a... His, moving to Israel is really important because that's the direct correlation of the spy story. So, never move to Israel with the house and money. With what? How and money. How. Never with how. You can literally, like, follow two couples who move here with their kid. Kids. And one's on the how mode and the other's on the what mode. Meaning that the what is we're moving to Israel. And the other couple moved here. They both moved. They live next door to each other in Beit Shemesh. And what couple was on the what mode? Like, we're moving to Israel, period. This is a statement of, of values we're doing here. This is, this is not like, let's try out life in Israel. Whereas the other one, we're in the how mode. They're like, well, how can we make it? How are we going to do this? How's this going to work out? How are we going to, 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 how are we going to? You can put money down that Israel will spit them out. We learn it from the Torah. You never come in here with the how mode. It's not a question, can I make it in Israel? It's, it's just that we're not leaving. We're burning our, our driveway. <laughs> we're burning the car that drove us from the airport. I don't know what we say. We're, 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 we're burning the bridge. You know the famous army? What was that famous army? That burned their the the, cap, the leader burned the boats. I was uh, I was going to uh, from Denmark. What was it? I realize we're a little over time, so we're gonna a little over time. We're gonna end this class. No, there's no one after you. Oh really? Just ask. Rome uh, burned bridges. I'll ask. Hey Siri. Wait. Turn on. Where's with your Siri? What? What do you want to do? Just ask Siri a question. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if Siri's on. Whatever. Siri's on. Press the button and hold it. Yeah. Which military leader burned the boats? Burned bridges. That's where the term comes from. Which military leader burned the boats? I found this on the web. 
was a, the, the count, an account, one account of the Danaean invasion of Ireland. Denmark. Uh, Denmark. Cool. Oh, it happened more than once. In the the Irish are still Irish, they ain't Danish. Then the Danes came to Ireland, and it was upon landing they burned their ships, causing a great mist to rise up. Oh, that's cute. Um, the Trojans. Um, my gosh, there's a bunch of these stories. Some of them were like treacherous, like they took all the soldiers and put them there, and then burned their boats, and and then took off. Um, anyway, there was one group where, um, oh, it was Cortez. Yes. They burned the back to Spain. They, yeah, when they went to Mexico, South America. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. The bottom line is that they were up against an army that they couldn't beat. So the captain burned the boats. So, which meant that you'll never see your families ever again if you don't win this war. You're either going to win, or you'll never see your families again. And they won. Mm. That's the way you move to Israel. <laughs> you have to burn the boats. That's good. Mm. And I'm sure you've seen it, Baruch, like over and over and over again, you've seen people lose their aliyahs. They made aliyah and just... I got my own bag. I mean, I keep bouncing back and forth, but you know, mm. still here. Yeah. Yeah, no, you can... It's, it, I'm sure you've seen it. It's always problems, right? It's always something is, is By the way, when I meet people whose aliyahs failed, yeah. I always, I, I mean, I never mention to them why it failed. You know, it's not like I say, oh, yeah, cause, it's because you <laughs> took the wrong approach. But Israel has a digestive system. <laughs> it, either, it either integrates you or it spits you out. One or the other. And Rabbi Nachman says the way it integrates you he brings it down, actually, in... Oh, Parsha Shalach, where it says, where the spies said that it's Eretz Ocheles Yoshebeha. It's the land that... In, in, yeah, he, it sounded like a curse. It said that the, the land devours its inhabitants. Mm-hmm. It was actually a blessing. Because think about it. If you eat an apple, what does that apple become? You. Yeah. If you eat a chicken, what does that chicken become? You. Mm-hmm. So what is a land that eats its inhabitants? What do you become? You become the land of Israel. Wow. You become the land of Israel. If the land eats you, you become Israel. And, but it also has a regurgitation uh, function. The land of Israel can actually throw you up. And I've met people, by the way, I've met people who are leaving with all the right reasons. And they, but when they came up to me, they're like, they're like, listen, I know I have all the right reasons, but between you and me, I'm getting spit out. We're getting spit out of Israel, and they and so Israel actually does have a regurgitation uh, function where it will just it will just spit people out of the country, and so the, there's various things we have to do. Rabbi Nachman brings down there that that uh, emuna, but I think he, he's sometimes loose with the word emuna. I think there he means betachel there because I, I know people have plenty of emuna who lost their. Aliyah. Mm-hmm. It's more of a betachon thing. Because the land of Israel is, you know, it's really to live here requires great trust. 
And, um, and you can even have trust without a Muna. Like how many of us people know people with, with they're small in a Muna, high in trust. And you see they do fine here. Low in a Muna, they're not that careful with their hexures. You know, their prayers are like, you know, a little short. And uh, their kippas are a little small. You know, like anything smaller, it's a potato chip. But their, but their trust is high, and you see they do well. You see they do well because their trust is very high. So, so the um, anyway. So moving to Israel requires requires that kind of uh, steadfast commitment that, that you're, not, you're not leaving no matter what. Like God, you're, that you can force God's hand totally. You can force God's hand on that. Now obviously with the, with the expulsion of the Jews from the first temple period and the expulsion of the, by the Romans, that's different. That's, that was like, it was over. And all the prophets said, it's over. Meaning they, when they were giving rebuke they were saying like this is your last chance but it's over and then when a prophet a certified prophet tells you it's over it's over certified they were were, were prophets were certified there were false prophets and certified prophets and some of those false prophets were very charismatic and caused a lot of havoc it could very well be that the first temple wouldn't have been destroyed if it wasn't for the false prophets because the uh, Jeremiah was up against them and uh Yeshayahu was up against them, and and they uh, they they had they not been up against false prophets, you know, very charismatic, you know, leaders, these false prophets. Had they not been up against them, the people might have actually listened and might have saved the day. So that's the that's the danger of of, uh, of bad Jewish leadership. And Jewish leadership is a real danger. Yeah, people think if someone's got the name Rabbi, they're like all of a sudden everything's blessed. But there's, there's plenty of bad Jewish leadership. You know, there's probably half the Jewish leadership of people who call themselves rabbis. They're like, they're intermarrying same-sex pets. Did I just say that? Okay, um, I'm starting to fall asleep. So I've, I've never fallen asleep teaching, but I think I'm close. Standing up. <laughs> standing. Oh, falling standing up, I'm great. At. I do that all the time. Okay. Anyway, I'm still like literally getting over that all nighter <laughs> for the wedding. And anyway, uh, those watching, please click and and subscribe and all that. And uh, and a big thanks to Joseph Castillo for uh, for doing all the media work. I'm getting tons of amazing feedback. The thumbnails, the titles, the the edits themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing, and uh, it's, it's really, uh, I think it's taken off. And that one video called My Debate, yeah. you call it My Debate? Yeah. 
that things got traction. Yeah, it's 1.5. Right? It's only 1.5? Yeah. Wow. And it's natural, right? It's all organic. Yeah, all organic. 1.5. 1.5 thousand hits. Mm-hmm. Organic. No boosting. No boosting, no, no nothing. natural meat. Just organic, just... No ads. <laughs> it's so exciting. And you know what I was thinking is that we should just... Is that we should just... Um, I should list all the holes in their arguments and just speak a little on each one. You like that idea? So let's do that. Let's just keep it up, my debate. that, And you'll, you'll edit that to be part one. Okay. All right, show them everybody. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.